love my bell ringers. We have a child dedication this morning coming from our Spanish group. Come over here. And they already had a guest speaker, so not all the whole church could come over. But uh, I would like to have Letitia to come up here for this special time. Family, come on up. Come on. She's sound asleep. And I haven't even started preaching yet. She is a beautiful little girl. You know, in this day and age, it's difficult for families to raise children with all of the distractions and everything that goes on in the world. It's even harder for a single mom to bring a child up in this world. And that's why we need the help of the church to uh, help not only in teaching Christ to this little one, but also in helping in the raising of this child. And uh, we know that back in the days of Jesus, They didn't have infant baptism. What they did was after the child was born and after a certain amount of days, they took the child to the temple and they presented the temple before God. We also know in the reading of scriptures that when Jesus became a man, that's when he was baptized after the learning process and being taught. And so not only will a child be taught at home, but it's necessary to have our Sabbath schools and our churches to help in the teaching of this child uh, in this day and age as they are older. And she is really out. And I, I held her last week. She's not easy to hold. She is solid. Some kids are light, you know, but I had to strain a little bit to pick her up last week. But the Lord has has come to us as a church to be able to help her. Now she's starting to wake up a little. And we want to have this time to not only to present this little one before God, but the family as well, too, as a very important part and uh, as our church. And so we want to bow our heads, and I don't know if I can hold her. Let me try. I'll try not to wake her. She hasn't lost any weight. I'm going to ask the family if we could just kneel together, and you remain seated as we pray. Father, In my arms is a precious gift, a gift from heaven to this family, a gift that was given that um, we're responsible for, the family and the raising of this little one, the church, the helping to teach this little one, 
Because you're not satisfied with just here on this earth and what the earth has to offer. There's a special gift waiting for her, and that gift is eternal life in heaven. And we want her to be there. So I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit on this family, upon her mom, upon the Spanish group, upon this church, as we take on the responsibility of raising this child in the way that she could, that she should go. Because we don't want her to depart from our teachings. We want her to be there with a relationship with you. We just want to thank you for this blessing and this time that we have together as we present her to you. May her life become the life that you want her to become. You already have mapped out the directions that she should go and what you want her to do. And may the Spirit guide and help us to fulfill that request and that dream. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now if I can get up. I'm not getting any younger to do this. Here is the certificate of dedication. I give you little girl back to you. And may God bless you as you raise her. Just a little caveat from last week's sermon. A lot of response about it. We're coming to the end of time. You know that. We're beginning to see that. In the back of the church in the foyer are the new December issues of Signs of the Times. Hope you take a copy and read it. Take some and hand out to your friends, to your neighbors, to the strangers. A couple of things that I want to share with you. Uh, There's a good article in here about a Christmas carol that was written that actually stopped World War I for a little while uh, to sing this Christmas carol. Both sides got together. The enemies got together. You want to read that, that article. It's fascinating. But what I want to call attention to, and I read this last night, is on page four, page five actually. It's the religion in the news talks about various things that are going on as far as our religious aspects are concerned in the world. And this one caught my eye so much so, and it doesn't give a lot here, so I went up onto the website that it has at the end. Israeli Sunday Law. That's interesting, isn't it? Israeli Sunday Law. I went up. Took me a while, I, you know, you found it, but uh, you really had to dig through a lot of stuff. Two articles came up on it. The new Sabbath, according to Orlev, this is one of the, uh, um, we would call him probably, he's uh, with the National Religious Party chairman. Um, and then also the same thing on his Sabbath, Sunday bill survey shows support. What they're wanting to do in Israel is to, right now they have the Sabbath 
and uh, all transportation, all work and everything stops according to the biblical concept of, of uh, the Sabbath. They want to change that now to make it so people will have both Sabbath and Sunday off. Um, they want to change the laws so that uh, transportation in certain places can be open on the Sabbath um, so that people who are in what they call the secular world can get to these places of entertainment and also to be open on Sunday. And uh, all work and all government work and everything will stop for the whole weekend says that 65% of the people in Israel support this adding of Sunday as a day of rest to their weekend. Um, so you're beginning to see changes that are taking place in our world that were so strict, and uh, now they're beginning to mellow away. So you'll want to, to read that, that article in, that uh, I just shared with you, and that's in the signs. Well, did you have a nice Thanksgiving? We spent it with our grandsons and our daughter and son-in-law, and we had a wonderful time. And I even controlled my eating. Did you? Now, what's the snickering going on? I want you to take your Bibles, if you would. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We want to read verses 16 and 17. I believe that Paul is the writer of Romans. Some people dispute that, but I believe it is Paul. Because it says Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, so it must be true. But no matter where you get in the Bible, there's always somebody that, that wants to say that it's something totally different. We always know that. We want to look at verses 16 and 17. Paul is saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That last statement, the just shall live by faith, Paul uses that phrase three different times in three different letters. Must have had an impact on him. He's actually quoting from Habakkuk. And in that text it reads that the just shall live by his faith, referring to God. All the usages in the Bible describes a person who will live accept, accepted in the sight of God because of his trust in his God. And so I'm assuming that we live by faith today, don't we? How much do we really trust our God? Yes, that's the question that we need to ask. The book of Revelation says that God's people at the end of time, which we're living close to that now, we'll have the faith of Jesus. This is so important to live by that it must be a part of our everyday life. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today is our faith of Jesus, the faith of Jesus. There's a major discussion that's going on today concerning the biblical concept of the Trinity. I bring it up because it's in our own denomination as well, too. People are divided in their understanding about the Trinity. On the one side, there are those who believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three are one God. But on the other side, there are those who believe only in a single God, being Jesus, and they claim that the concept of the Trinity is actually a Roman Catholic teaching that is infiltrated into Christianity today. Here's a doctrine that defies rationale. I know it's hard to comprehend. It's very hard in giving Bible studies to, to a person to get them to comprehend one God made up of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have to rely then upon the teaching of Jesus to try to get some understanding of this whole thing. So look at the words of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 28. I'd already read the passage that I had, but we're going to look just at verse 19. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Because it's the words of Jesus, and he's speaking to his disciples. Matthew 28, 19. We know this quite often. We often use this in Bible studies. Jesus is telling them, Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the... How many did Jesus name? Three. If we're to live in the day before Jesus comes, we have to have the faith of Jesus. And Jesus says there are three. We often look at that, at just at the idea that we're to go out and to teach and to baptize. Sometimes we never stop to really reflect on the fact that Jesus himself telling his disciples that there are three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're to have his faith. The doctrine of the Trinity is a biblical teaching by the great teacher himself. When we study the Trinity, we are studying God. And when we are studying God, we are studying something that really is beyond our human comprehension. We're trying to explain God in human terms in human ways, and it's really hard to do. We're going to try throughout all eternity to try to explain and to understand this, and it's going to be hard to do. But we have to come and use our faith in the words of Jesus as he's trying to explain the best he can that God has three parts, Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. And I've got to ask myself the question, Ann, is do I believe what Jesus said? Go to Mark chapter 12. Mark 12, verses 28 through 30. Mark 12, 28 through 30.
Then one of the scribes came, came to Jesus, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Does that seem to contradict what Jesus said? That we are to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? And then he says that God is one. Three to one. What are we talking about? I never said that it wasn't complicated. But this is where I have to take Jesus at his word. I must have the faith of Jesus to believe that this fits together somehow. Jesus is saying that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit together make one God. How can that be? In order to comprehend the Trinity, we need to come to grips first with the concept of the love of God. Because if I don't understand the love of God, I will never understand the Trinity. We try to project human love onto God. Human love is egocentric. It's dominated by self, selfishness. Where self is present, we think in terms of individuals. Even in the best of marriages, the husband and the wife do not always see eye to eye on everything. I'm surprised I didn't hear an amen on that. We're individuals trying to live together as one married couple but it will bring disagreements. What I think should take place can be different than what my wife thinks should take place. That's because of our individuality. That's because of our egocentric nature. Our concept of love is then we have to sit down and work things out to find either a compromise or figure out who's going to win. But the, the, the three that makes up God is totally different than an egocentric person. Everything that they are, everything that they do, every thought that they have, every word that they speak is perfectly united. Because God 
is in love agape, is what the Bible says. Which really means they are so bound together that there's no disagreement at all. They are all working for the same thing, our salvation. They don't fight among each other. They don't try to put themselves above each other. They are in total unity together. So Jesus is saying that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are together in love, which makes up our God. But the three that makes up God, even though it's perfectly united, we still have to accept that because that's hard for us to understand because we're so egocentric and it's hard for us to comprehend so we have to go and look at God's Word. Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. First John chapter 5 and verse 7. I have to accept this by faith. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, which we know in John is the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are what? They're one. There is no argument or separation between them. In everything, they're one. Because in John in 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love. The word we translate to mean love is that word agape. It's the only word used in the Bible to describe the love of God. It's a love that is not selfish in nature. There is no self in love. You want to know what that love is like? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the love that God has that unifies. 1 Corinthians verse 13. Let's start with verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Here's love. This is agape love. This love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is God. And to, to think they don't, they don't argue, they don't fight, they don't dispute, 
They, they don't. They think the same thoughts. They're in unity with everything. They're one. They're so close. That's why Jesus, as we were studying in our Sabbath school, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen the Holy Spirit. You see what we're like because we're all one together. We're all working together. We're all one because of love, because of this agape love. There is no self in love. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Genesis 1, 27. Back to creation. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. When God created Man and woman, he created them in his image in that concept of love. They were unified. They were one. God created them with that same love, that, and, and they had that same love as God had. Adam was created self-sacrificing, full of unconditional love, just like God. That's why when Adam... When Adam was introduced to his bride for the first time, he said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, two persons, but the two shall be one flesh. What made them one flesh? That love, that agape love. It's a mystery for us to understand how two individuals can become one flesh perfectly united, but that's because after sin entered the picture, man's nature became egocentric, self-centered. Individuals that try to live as one, but becomes discouraged when the spouse doesn't do, say, or think like you do. There's a change that took place when sin entered in, and when God said, who, who told you you were naked? And Adam said, it was the woman you created. You see the change? Now it is pointing the finger and they're no longer unified together as one. They're now individuals blaming each other. So when it comes to trying to understand the Trinity as being separate but united as one God... It's hard for us to understand until we understand this agape love. We, we have this hard time comprehending until we, we and, and what we try to do is we try to change what Jesus teaches into our way of thinking, which is tainted by sin and selfishness. And that's why sometimes some people have a hard time in our denomination to say, that there is no Trinity. But if there is no Trinity, then I cannot believe in the words of Jesus when He says there is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so by faith, I have to recognize 
that those three have become or a part of my God. I may not totally understand the whole picture. I may not have a full concept of it, but by faith Jesus said it, and I believe it, and that's good enough for me. Is that how the song goes, Lewis? Okay. But because we don't understand, because we're selfish, we want to paint a different picture. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one in agape love. There is no jealousy among them, no self-centeredness. They're all one because they all think alike. They move alike. In God, we have a perfectly united trio that is out to save us. So when Jesus says that we are to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know what that's saying to me? That is saying that I have the fullness of God, this fullness of love, the three of them who are working, united together for one purpose, and that's my salvation. I've got God's full attention. The entire Godhead is on my side in order to save me. All three of them are involved in my life. And they want to see me in heaven. No wonder if I've got the fullness of God for me. Who can be against me? I thank God for His love. Take a look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Second Corinthians. Chapter 13. The very last verse, verse 14. This is the benediction that Paul has to the Corinthian church. Second Corinthians 13 and verse 14. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, that's agape, love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's the role. The grace of Jesus. Jesus has taken upon Himself as our God to sacrifice, to be sacrificed on the cross. He's our Savior. He emptied Himself and became a slave to His heavenly Father who handed Jesus over to that cross. Jesus was willing to surrender His will over to His Father. That's why He says, I've not come to do My will, but Thy will be done. Then Paul says, the love of God. When he's saying this, he's saying that the, the Father is taking charge 
out of love for my salvation. He is the chairman, the CEO of heaven. He's the organizer of the plan of salvation. He and Jesus worked together and he instructed Jesus to do all that was necessary to carry out the plan of salvation. That's why Paul says, God spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. His love for you and me would not even spare his own son from experiencing the death on the cross for the penalty of sin. That's how much he loves us. Then in his benediction, Paul says, and the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The work of the Holy Spirit is to convey to us the salvation that Christ obtained for you and me. The Holy Spirit is the communicator of the gospel. That's why Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He will lead his disciples into truth. He will show you what is prepared for you in heaven. He will communicate the righteousness of God to you, and He will reveal that agape love within your life. They're working together. The triune God made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, according to His own words, all of them are on our side. All three are necessary for our salvation. I don't have to explain it. I don't have to fully understand it. All I have to do is believe it. And thank God for all three. Three to one. Do you thank God? Let's take our hymnals and turn to hymn number 70 and let's praise all three of them as we sing together. Hymn number 70. Shall we stand as we sing together?
Father, forgive us when we don't grasp the concept of the Trinity, and yet they are one. Forgive us where we don't even grasp the whole concept of agape love. But by faith we do grasp this. Jesus said that there are three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the three are one, and they're one because of the love, and that love is our God. And we're grateful for it because our God is on our side through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.